Welcome to the Center of Excellence Sales Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Genovese, Director at Odds Marketing and Sales Novice. And I think we decided last time, Podcast Savior, I'm getting that on my business cards <laughs> right away. With me, as always, Brad Taylor, Corporate Trainer with the Center of Excellence. Over here, just admiring everything you do, Tim. Oh, fantastic. Thank you so much. I admire everything you do as well. With me again, as usual, Oliver Young, Operations Director with the Young Automotive Group. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Jake Talbot's here again, and I'm stoked. And stole my introduction. Dang it. Sorry. Oh, that's Sorry. Good. Sorry. Here. Sorry, Tim, the Savior Podcast. <laughs> Podcast Savior. Pod- and okay. back again, Jake Talbot, General Manager with Young Toyota in Logan. Damn glad to have you, Jake. Glad to be here. Hey, and now you were referred to this podcast by one Brad Taylor. Yeah, I was actually. He thought it was very important that we get you on, and we followed up and, and followed up on that referral. That. <laughs> yeah, it's very funny I mentioned it. What am I talking about? <laughs> we're going to talk about referrals We're talking about today. referrals. Man, Tim, you really are a gift. <laughs> no. You really are. You really are a gift. Yeah. yeah, I just thought we could talk about referrals. It's interesting. Um, referrals can be such an incredible source of income and relationships. And do you guys remember watching National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation? Oh, yeah. yeah. Every year. Every year. It's a classic, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So what do you remember about the turkey? It was dry. But what did it look like before he cut it? Beautiful. It's the most amazing turkey. And they cut it open. And what happens? It's dry. (laughs) Yeah, basically deflates, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes I feel like that's how referrals look in our industry. Hmm. What I mean is we can look at it and say, do we have three referrals per sale? Most stores do. But if you really cut into that turkey, I think you'll find there's some meat lacking. And I guess that's what I want to talk about today is the importance of referrals. So, and the funny thing is when we talk sales, everybody will say the most important thing you can do is get referrals. Mm-hmm. And I've, I remember going to, a, it was a commercial sales training with our commercial team, our fleet team. And we were supposed to bring up best ideas. And Scott Brown, you got to love the guy, right? He came with his best idea. And it was to ask current customers for people that want to buy trucks. Revolutionizing the industry. (laughs) And I just like put my head on the table and like, just kill me now. Kill me now. Because it's referrals. And he won best idea. And I had to pay him $100. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. That's what was it's so frustrating. Idea. It's such a good idea. We should ask customers for referrals. And I'm like, oh, oh, please, no. But How we bad talk- were the rest of the ideas? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's just we know referrals it's a great are such idea. a good idea. I just... But this, see, the huh. thing is we talk about it so much. And we know that it's good. Why do we not do it first? I just want to cross that bridge just real quick before we really dive into it. Because we do. Just like you said, we push referrals, we get reports that say we have good referrals, and then we cut into it and it's all garbage. You know, why, one of the, why? One of the best acronyms I, I read, heard, I'm not even sure where it came from, but it's FEAR. And the acronym is False Evidence Appearing Real. And I think there's FEAR. What's your... Uh, what do well, you think? I think what it is, we just don't know what's on the other side of it. And so because of that, we just do enough to appease our manager. 
And most managers are actually a, are okay with collecting a referral. And I guess that- But what's the fear that the salesperson has to actually ask for referrals? What do you think? Brad, what do you think? I think they're afraid of number one, being told no by the okay. customer. So they don't actually, yeah, just that rejection. I just worked so hard to earn their business. Now I'm asking them for a referral. So there's fear of being rejected. Secondly, is the salesperson empathizes, meaning they yeah. wouldn't want to give out their friend's yeah. name and number. And so rejection. Exactly. So they're afraid to ask the customer for that information. So they're assuming it's a no. So why ask? So they self-project. They say, if I were in the customer's shoes, I wouldn't want to be asked this question. Yep. And I agree with that too. And there's some sort of like, I wouldn't want to affect my network. And so I wouldn't want to affect their network. And so it's just this whole like protect your community fear. But in the heart, go ahead. I was just going to say, is part of it potentially too, okay, I've just sold to this customer. That customer is now in my book of business. I don't want to risk that relationship by prying too deep and asking yeah. for mm-hmm. access to their relationships. And at the heart of all of that is that the fear of not being good at your job makes you not good at your job. <laughs> and what do I mean by that? If you don't feel like I'm going to do a good job for those people that I get referrals from, then I feel like I'm going to fail the customer, I'm going to fail the network, I'm going to fail. And so it's this lack of confidence. Don't you guys agree? Yeah. Yeah. And a lack of belief that it will work too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because the challenge is there's only a handful of people, even in our group, that really embrace referrals. So it's not modeled. No one. So it's talked about. It's something we require on every deal. But it really doesn't have a whole lot of legs because no one's modeling it. Therefore, the belief isn't there. So we need some trailblazers to actually go prove this right. One of those that that comes to mind, and this was was nine years ago when Daniel Deiniger joined our group. So Daniel moved from Philadelphia, literally packed up his family with a few hundred dollars and came to Utah because he had a sister here. So he showed up. In Logan, Utah, I still remember his interview. His voice was shaking so hard, but I could just see that this was a guy that wanted to take care of his family. And regardless of how he may have struggled to communicate, I could just tell he was going to make something happen. So you take a guy who hasn't sold before. He came from the restaurant business, so completely new, had no clue. Because he had no clue, he had no choice but to believe us. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we rolled out is this is what a referral looks like. This is how you can build your business. And I watched Daniel in a matter of a few years become connected in Cash Valley, a place where getting connected Very, is not easy. It's the s- smallest big town on the planet. Yeah. The only place it might be trickier to get connected is Morgan. Other than that, <laughs> yeah. this might be the number two spot. Yeah. And he became connected and well-known. And he literally did that by talking to people about who they knew that might be in the market for a car. And he didn't do it because he needed to because we asked him. He did it because he had to feed his family. He didn't have any other options. And it worked. And a guy in a matter of four years went from never selling a car to a top dog selling 30 cars a month. Well, and it sounds like there's a belief there in 
the ignorance that came with him, and I'm not saying ignorance in a bad way, and just the fact that he was ignorant to the position, he was ignorant to the job and the requirements of the job, but that also makes him ignorant to some of the things that, some of the preconceived notions and those fears that some other folks have. So that ignorance leads to maybe doing the right things the right way, and that can lead to the right things happening. Yeah, so it sounds like we, I think we, you just quoted Kelly Moss because he always says, I do the right yeah. things, the right things will happen. Yeah. It's that simple. But if we do the right things without substance, we'll get zero results. No. At that point, it's almost pointless to even do it. See, it just sounds like we've got to forget the things that we think that we know, right? We've got to forget the results that we think that we know are going to happen and just move past them and just yeah. start doing the right things the right way. So I guess breaking it down, collecting the referral would be step one. Now, Brad, do you know any professional trainers in the room? I happen to know a couple. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So collecting, what does that look like? What does it look like when I ask for a referral? Maybe let me ask you two ways. What do you think it looks like currently, maybe the not so positive route? Yeah. And what would it be a more positive way to collect a referral? Yeah. The not positive route is, hey guys, here's a sheet of paper. My manager said that I have to get three names and numbers of people that, you know, I don't care if they're looking for a car or not, but in order for us to move forward, I need you to write these down. So that way we can just keep going. So just names and numbers of people that you know, and then I'll turn it in and we'll continue. That's probably the worst. Do you think that happens? I know that happens. Yeah. Unfortunately. There's a couple other popular ones. Hey, I want to give some people an oil change. Yep. Now the best one is, hey, I need some references. Yeah. And they think they're giving you bank references and we're <laughs> popping them down as referrals. Yep. Super sneaky. <laughs> okay. Can and you think of a more positive that is way? Unethical. It is do not unethical. never take do not do bake that. references yeah. and put them as referrals. Yeah. That is not okay. I can think of a much more positive way, and it sounds an awful lot like a referral script. Hey Jake, as you probably know, a lot of my business comes from customers just like you. Who are some people, names and numbers that you know that maybe not today, but in the near future might be in the market for a vehicle? Because I would love to call them, introduce myself, and give them the same quality experience that I gave you. Would that be okay? Man, that's beautiful. I just got a tear in my eye. Mm -mm. The nice thing with that, too, is you're being upfront and honest. It's to say that, hey, we're just going to give a friend an oil change. Well, we have to be honest with ourselves. So mm -hmm. we're not going to call that person and be like, hey, do you want to buy a car? Because that's not how we presented it. So then we have to contact that person. And currently... What percent do you think are being contacted? And I realize you might be making up the number, but what would be oh, your best man, get? I think it'd be worse if I opened it. So I'll say that we're probably saying we're calling all of them and contacting 20%, if I had to guess. Two. I think I it is so 2%. terrifyingly low. I really do. And I guess that's the part is we don't want to have something that looks like a beautiful turkey and cut into it and there's no substance. Because the issue is, Referrals are so important for our future business. And referrals can get us through times that are challenging. When the market shifts or there's challenges, people will be loyal to you when you have those relationships. So once you collect them, I think it's got it's important that we do it in an ethical way and be open and realize that we're doing this to sell more cars. That doesn't mean we're sell a car tomorrow to a referral, but we're just creating relationships that we can help in the future. Here's a good question. Are people scared to buy cars? No. Do they struggle with salespeople? Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, they do. Yeah. They struggle with them. And are you scary, the person asking for referrals? You are not scary. I should You're be. a normal salesperson. You're a normal person, right? 
And the great thing is, if you believe that, then you know that you're go- when you're given a referral, don't you feel so much better because you have somebody to lean on, the person who referred you, right, to be able to say, and I'm talking from a customer point of view, right? I feel really good when I'm, if I ask my friend for a referral for something, I feel really good that salesperson is going to be taking care of me. Why? Because I have a third party that's helping me out. And it gives me a reassurance that I'm okay. Well, and so uh, for a customer to be referred, it gives you this assurance of like, oh, I'm going to be taken care of because my friend was taken care of. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, if you're sitting across from somebody and you're asking them to finance a, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60,000 dollar car, you've done enough to build some trust with that customer and you've done enough to make sure that they know that you're not going to be a schmuck to the people that they're referring you to, right? Mm-hmm. You're just going to help them out and you should have done enough that they know, hey, this is how I make my business. This is how I feed my family. This is how, you know, this is how I keep clothes on my back. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's a horrible Mm, And I think people just want to know somebody. It's so nice to go Mm -hmm. meet someone that's helped a friend that had a good experience. I also think here's the scary part is if you look at our referral reporting, how does it look? Looks like we're great. Looks great. Mm -hmm. Looks like that turkey. Yeah, it does. So I think sometimes we get addicted to to really pretty reports. We want to look good. And again, it's scary when you get caught up in that. You know, I look at when you think of Ford with their big... um, their big shift when Malali took over. They, if you recall, they would go meet and they all had to give a report. And the report, there were three different colors on the report. Green meant they were doing well. Yellow meant there was a potential challenge or something that's maybe lacking. And red meant there was a failure or an opportunity. And every meeting they came to, all the reports were green. Green. (laughs) Yet the they were losing billions. Yeah. So they've got green reports and they're losing billions. Um, so quoting from this says, meanwhile, Fields, the president of the Americas, had an issue with a product launch that year. The new Edge had a liftgate problem that threatened the delay of its critical debut. I said, code read it. And they said, are you sure you want to do that? Fields said, I said, this is what Alan wants. Let's go for it. So he had the guts to point out we have a problem. He didn't want to show up and have a green report. Could he have manipulated it to have it look green? Yeah. yeah. And that's the crazy thing about reports. We can all manipulate them. But we know when we manipulate a report and we know when we're being honest. It says, finally, it was Phil's turn. Edge launch, bright red. He said, I could feel the chairs move away from the table, said Fields. I said, we have a problem and I'd love to have help from manufacturing and quality to help resolve it. And that began the shift. Then all of a sudden, people had the courage to say, I've got a problem, and there was so much talent there that could help them out. And I think that's the first thing we have to start with is realizing that reporting is nothing more than a piece of paper and a graph. Mm -hmm. We know when we're doing things for the right reasons. So how do you take somebody, Oliver, from that focus of reports and looking good to digging down and being good? Like, have you seen that shift anywhere? Really, I feel like the key is to look at not only, you just need to dive one layer deep. Because you can look at that number on the report and be like, okay, how are we doing? You go, oh, we're doing great. 
But then if you look at how many appointments booked off of that, boom, it's gone. Because any one data point doesn't get, actually give you anything. Once you connect that to appointments, now you have a whole different ballgame. Now it actually tells a story. And so, you know, if I'm a, a salesperson, I go, okay, how many referrals am I getting and how many appointments am I booking off those referrals? And if you actually do that math, now you know, okay, what am I actually doing this for? Am I just appeasing something, just like you're saying, Jake? Or am I actually using this to build my business? Or And it, could, it might not even be appointments. It might just be straight up contacts. How many people am I talking to? Because every time you, you, you connect with a referral, it's not to sell them right now. And I'd love to, you know, Brad or Jake, I'd love to see how do you guys follow up with these referrals? What does that look like when you call that customer? So I'll take that because, again, maybe I was naive, but when Kelly told me this was the key to success, I believed him. And I literally would just regurgitate what was in the books that we were training on. So when you, first of all, I think it's important to collect a referral mm-hmm. the right way. Because if we are in any way tricking people into getting referrals, none of this works. Yeah, it doesn't. Agree with we you. have to be honest and upfront. Absolutely. So we look them right in the eyes and we tell them that we want to introduce ourselves to their friends to be able to give them the opportunity to buy cars in the future. So I think you have to start with that. But then when you reach out to them, it's really simple. You just introduce yourself. Hey, Brad, I was able to help your neighbors, the Smiths. They were such nice people. And as we were talking, your name came up as someone that might be in the market for some sort of vehicle themselves. Now, not right away, but sometime down the road. Do you mind if I ask how many cars you have in your household? Three. Great. And how many drivers? Four. Okay. And of those drivers, who's next in line for some sort of vehicle themselves? That's finally my turn. Your turn. Okay. And why do you say it's you? Because just tired of buying vehicles for everybody else. It's time. Well, that's exciting. Are you thinking like right away or sometime down the road? I've got a truck that's about to die, probably pretty soon. Okay, wonderful. And what kind of vehicle? Are you looking for something new or maybe something clean and pre-owned? Definitely new. So all of a sudden, we're talking about an actual car. And I think the key is we're not trying to sell them a car right then. Like Oliver said, the idea is to get information, to open up a conversation. And it might be that you're calling them in a year and bringing up that they said they were looking for a car. You look like a hero. It's actually quite simple. Yeah. And that conversation, you know, it was so smooth, so easy to have. We're so afraid of it. And we just have to go into it with confidence, right? That this is a normal conversation that we have every single day. And the customer or the referral that you're talking to is going to feel like, oh, yeah, this is a normal, easy conversation, right? Yeah, I, think, I love that, Jake. I think yeah. an area as managers is we're trying to encourage salespeople to get more referrals. We might falsely paint it as a tactic, and it isn't. It's not a tactic. As a sales professional, you have a service to provide. You just provided it for somebody that said, yes, they bought from you. They had a good experience. You need to remember that because as Oliver indicated, Customers are afraid to buy vehicles from salespeople. They're afraid of salespeople, so they're buying stuff online. But we have to understand that we have a service that we provide. And when you call somebody knowing that if you don't provide them a service, someone else is going to probably provide them with a lower quality service. Absolutely. That really changes the dynamic of the conversation where you realize, hey, you need to communicate with me because I will take care of you. Yep. And the Love second that. you do it for yourself, not for your manager, because you're building your business, 
that's when it goes to the next level. The second you start doing it for yourself. And I think that's absolutely key. You're going to hurt yourself or you're going to help yourself. And it's really, it's about you and it's about your business. And as we talked about in a previous episode, taking ownership, taking absolute ownership of your business. Well, Jake, do we have an action item today? You know what? I I have a feeling some people are going to listen to this podcast right as it comes out. And maybe there will be people that listen to it a year from now or two years from now. So I would issue this challenge regardless of the timeline you're listening to it. And that is share a story, an experience you've had collecting a referral and seeing it through. And that doesn't mean it has to equal a car deal. If they become part of your book of business, you've had a conversation, you understand the cars they have and their needs, that's a win. Because all of a sudden you have someone within your database that you can work for years. I love it. Well, as usual, I have been taking copious notes. So today we are talking about referrals, which are an incredible source of income and relationships. But sometimes they can be a little bit like the turkey on Christmas vacation. You know, maybe you cut into it and there's no meat on the bone. Um, We all know that referrals are good. Why don't we ask for them out of fear? False evidence appearing real. So this is, you know, fear of rejection, self-projection, because uh, you wouldn't want somebody asking you for referrals or maybe you wouldn't want to provide referrals. Um, but honestly, fear of not being good at your job, fear of failing at asking for referrals can really make you bad at your job and make you fail at asking for referrals. So you need to forget the things that you know. You need to forget the outcomes that you think are going to happen and just go forward, even if you need to, from a place of ignorance and naivete. There are right ways and there are wrong ways to ask for referrals. Um, the, but the summary is just to be honest about your intentions with those requests. Just be clear. Hey, I need you know. I want to help somebody out as much as I've helped you out today, and I'd love to ask for your referrals. Referrals are crucial for the future of our business. They're crucial for the future of your business and for getting through challenging times. It should be easy uh, coming from a place of trust. If that trust has not been built, um, you're going to have a hard time. But if that trust has been built, people just want to know that their friends and family are going to get taken care of. And then if we're talking about reporting of referrals, reports can easily be manipulated. We need to know the difference between looking good and actually being good. Ask yourself, am I just appeasing something? Am I just making a report look good or am I building my own business? So the two keys here, getting referrals the right way, you've just got to be honest with your intentions. And when you're reaching out to those referrals, you've just got to be honest with your intentions. You're only going to hurt yourself or help yourself, but remember, you've got to do the right thing the right way. The right things will happen. Um, Gentlemen, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you. Jake, thank you so much for coming down. It's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast. We really appreciate your insight. If you're listening to this podcast and you haven't left us any stars on iTunes, please go do that. It'd help us out a great deal. If you have questions, comments, concerns, ideas for future podcasts, please shoot us an email to podcast at youngcoe.com. And if you just want to say, hey, shoot us an email there as well. That'd be great. So I think that's all we got today. Dana, why y'all? Dana, why y'all?